You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now. So get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lord. Hey everybody and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 52, Big Finish, The Cloisters of Terror. Ooh. <laughs> I am as always one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. I see them. I see who? The sisters. What? It's just the hat stand. <laughs> 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 How's it going, Paul? Uh, it's going. <laughs> I think I might be the wrong gender to see the sisters anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll get into that uh, as we get into our, our episode here. <laughs> Folks, we tried to record this episode about two days ago, and we just had technical issues, and it just wasn't working. And when we were doing that, there was no news whatsoever. Well, it's kind of fortuitous that we ended up waiting. We're going to jump right into this. Uh, this is Friday, uh, October 7th. And as of this morning, the Doctor <laughs> Who official YouTube page and all the official channels have released uh, two trailers. One is sort of a you know behind-the-scenes trailer at the Doctor Who Christmas special and a teaser trailer for the spinoff show Class. Uh, Peter Capaldi and... Um, Pearl Mackie are on stage as we speak at New York Comic Con, so there may be something else that drops during their panel that we won't know about. <laughs> so, if we don't talk about it, it's because we're recording before it came out, folks. So, I uh, just want to <laughs> let you know, and we'll catch it on the next episode. Um, <laughs> maybe even with an audio clip or two. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> but real quick, Paul. Um, let's start with the, the teaser for class. This has been something that I, I've been less than interested in. Um, I'm like, eh, <laughs> I don't know about it. 
and you've been, you know, more willing to give it a chance than I have. Um, I've been tentative, uh, tentatively positive. I, I think be the best way to put it. Um, the more that I see in these teaser trailers and things, though, the more intrigued I become. Okay, so, um, so yeah, real real quick, give us give <laughs> overall impressions of this this teaser trailer because it's it's not going to give away much, and it's not a whole you know it's not like real deep or anything because uh, it's a teaser. But but what well, are you thinking? The the teaser. I don't think this is a spoiler considering that the, the teaser has it in it. Uh, the teaser pretty much shows that the events of this uh, story appear to be set in motion by the doctor. Um, yeah. At least in some type of a mentoring type of uh, event at the beginning of this thing because he, he has dialogue in this teaser trailer that, that indicates that he is giving them instructions and giving them warnings about different things uh possibly setting them up to uh be able to defend themselves from an oncoming mysterious entity threat of some sort yes yeah yeah and <laughs> you know basically the teasers you know got shots of coal hill academy not coal hill school coal hill academy so i wonder if that's something different uh than what clara was teaching at Basically, all the shots are at night. You've got, uh, you know, shots of each of the main characters, uh, you know, looking concerned or confused, uh, and then, you know, running away from something. There's shadows in the hall. Uh, and yeah. The doctor's Did you shadow. notice that? It looked like a human, human-esque form with almost like smoky, wispy edges around it while it was the shadow was moving across the wall. I thought it was the doctor's hair. Mm, that, that's not what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminded me of the uh, the imagery that we got from uh, before the flood. Oh yeah, you know that wispy appearance. Yeah, yeah. The the only you know the the real interesting thing about it you know is the doctor is basically saying you know I'm not always going to be here to protect you guys. So you know it, it sounds like <laughs> he's uh, you know inducting a Scooby gang to help him out. Um, <laughs> It's like, oh, hey, uh, by the way, here's my instructions, and good luck. Right, Bye. right. <laughs> uh, and that, but then he, the whole thing ends with him saying, you know, time has seen your faces, and time never forgets. And you're like, what is that supposed to mean? And why is it so creepy? Uh, <laughs> it does look very, very dark and and twisted and creepy looking. You know, yeah. it. Um, I heard somebody say at one point that this was supposed to be sort of like the. Uh, I don't know, like Torchwood with teenagers or something, uh -huh. you know, um, which uh, uh, somebody else said, well, that's Doctor Who. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this seems really it seems like it has a darker tone than even like last series did for Doctor Who, you know, uh, yeah. and I'm very intrigued. I'm thinking that I want to watch this. <laughs> I will wait till it airs and, you know, listen to people's reviews and maybe wait and see if there's another trailer that comes out before I make my decision as if I'm going to watch this thing. Well, uh, we did get a confirmation today. Um, we, uh, Radio Times posted it. Um, it's going to be released October the 22nd in the UK. Mm -hmm. That's the reason why I was saying that I had seen that it was su supposedly supposed to be released in the fall. Right. Um, however, it's not going to be released in the United States until Series 10 is released in the United States. Yes, so they'll be airing concurrently is yes. the idea. So spring, um, April, I don't probably. know if they'll be showing on the same night or not, but 
considering that BBC America does Sci-Fi Saturdays, I'm pretty sure they'll probably be both posting on the same night. Yeah. So, for American fans wanting to watch Class, you either wait for April or... Well, we don't encourage this, but there are internet ways. I'm sure people will <laughs> be finding to watch this show. We will never encourage piracy. No. Let's no. make that clear. <laughs> we don't encourage it. We just know there are people who will do that. And then... Also, we got this, I'm calling it a sizzle reel. It's sort of a behind-the-scenes look at the upcoming Doctor Who Christmas special, which they also gave us the title for at the end, The Return of Doctor Mysterio. (laughs) And, of course, I hear Mysterio, and my mind immediately runs to, you know, one of Spider-Man's villains. Yeah, Um, exactly. (laughs) But Doctor Mysterio... I don't know if that's the villain or if it's the superhero that we're seeing in the trailer. And, you know, we, we get a lot of shots here of the Doctor doing stuff. Um, Nardle's back. He's definitely back in this one, um, which yeah. I'm happy. Um, I like Nardle. I am really looking forward to this. And uh, this is something that I was talking to you about. Um, was it two or three days ago when we were trying to record the first time? <laughs> um I really, I think it would be really cool if this Christmas episode was a, a very loose continuation of last Christmas episode. Uh, and what I mean by that is, um, obviously we would see a, the passage of time, but I think it would be neat if maybe at the beginning of this next episode that we get to see maybe there's a reference to the last story where nardle says something to the effect of thank you for helping me get my body back right you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that way it would just kind of be like a continuation you know almost <laughs> like maybe like it's even the same you know christmas that they ended the last story on or something and they're just happened to be leaving yeah you know? yeah something like that that'd be kind of cool uh we'll see we'll see what happens uh with that but uh, there's shots of, of the doctor talking with a little boy. And then there's also a couple of shots of this superhero guy. And it looks like they're shooting in New York. So I'm not sure what all that's about. I know that it shows a scene like with some blue screen stuff, uh, like with the little boy being picked up, you know, kind of almost like he's being bounced up and down in the air. Um, and so I, I, I think that's kind of... Uh, it's giving me the impression that there's going to be some type of uh, fantasy element maybe to the episode, you know? The thing I think is going to happen is I think the little boy changes into the superhero. Oh, that would be cool. I think that's, uh, you know, sort of like a um, Shazam. Yeah. Uh, What what is it? What's the kid's name? Uh, Billy something or another. Billy Billy Batson. Yeah. Billy Batson. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering if we're getting something like that because there is a shot where the doctor is sitting out on a fire escape and a set of clothes drops next to him and it looks kind of like the pajamas that the kid was wearing. Um, <laughs> maybe. So I, I'm not entirely certain, but I think that's a that's a possibility for this episode. So I don't know how all of this kid and this superhero, uh, you know, work together and how the doctor and Nardle fit into things, but. You know, I'm a huge fan of superhero movies. I'm a huge fan of Doctor Who. I'm a huge fan <laughs> of Capaldi. I'm a huge fan of Nardle. So I think I'm going to like this thing. How how interesting is it that 
Nardle gets to continue to wear his hat and coat and everything uh, like we saw him in the last episode. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we go straight from cold weather to cold weather again. So he doesn't even have to change his costume. He can just wear the same thing he was wearing before. Well, he seems to have a couple <laughs> of costumes. There's a shot of him uh, dressed up as like one of the three kings or something. Right. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that that actually kind of looks funny. Uh, <laughs> I really actually looking forward to having him in this season because um i think he can add a whole nother element to the humor on the show right right and i think having him on the show is going to uh lighten up the the doctor's persona a little bit as well he'll be yes he'll still be brooding and intense (laughs) because that's who peter capaldi's doctor is but i think we'll see a little bit more of the uh the jovial side as well I'm hoping what it does is it kind of creates a little bit of a relationship like we used to see with the second doctor and, uh, oh, and, Jamie, uh, and Jamie, Jamie. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I think that could be really fun or even like we saw with the, uh, with Matt Smith and the potato dwarf. Oh, yeah. Psychotic <laughs> potato dwarf. Yeah. I think that could be really funny, but now there is something else that I think would be really cool too, is if Nardle continually gets, um, uh, looked at in a way that's going to uh, where he's going to continually be treated uh, with uh, people underestimating him all the time and maybe mm-hmm. maybe he proves to them that he's not as dim-witted as they think he is you know what I'm saying yeah. I think that would be kind of fun too because you know that's that kind of takes that that stereotype and turns it on its ear you know and I love it when they do that you know yeah. it's like what sort of like what they did with with Rory where he started out coming off like this guy that was really beat down and by the time he finished his arc on the show he wasn't that guy anymore he was you know brave and and willing to sacrifice himself to save his friends you know um i I love it when they when they take a character type like that and they turn it on its ear and do something completely different with it well if they do that that'll be done in series 10 rather than the christmas special i would think oh yeah uh, i'm talking about in general you know okay yeah (laughs) Okay. <laughs> right, anything else about this the sizzle reel uh, before we we move on to our topic today? It's moving so fast; it's hard to see part of it. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's very exciting though, and, and I love it. I love it when they show us stuff like that because it gets my it gets my blood pumping to see this this next episode that they've got coming out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Um, so. And you it's know. coming at it's coming at you really fast. Boom, 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 you know. And yeah, so right about the time your brain gets to process what you're looking at, they switch to something else. You know? Exactly. Folks, it's <laughs> finally happened. Uh, we are going to be talking about and reviewing uh, our first Big Finish audio story ever on this show. We are going to be reviewing The Oysters of Terror, which is the sixth story in the fourth series of the Fourth Doctor Adventures. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing this in any real order with the, uh, the Big Finish because we're basically doing what we have access to. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, we should probably say that uh, at a, from what I can gather, most big finish audio stories are four parts. Uh, this one is only two, which really caught me off guard. 
Yeah. By the way, one of the things I did appreciate was the uh, intro, the the theme music is the fourth doctor's theme. Music. I know. So <laughs> they, it, it's, they're not just using a generic, you know, you know, modern doctor who sounds like it's pulled directly from the show, directly yes. from the TV show. Yes. Uh, if you added visuals to this, it would have been like an actual episode of the show. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the, the way it even, feels. even the background music is the same. Yeah, the, there's some of it that's very, you know, 70s feeling. There's some of the music that's uh, more from the new series, uh, but they mix it up in such a way that it feels very, uh, very much tonally what it would have been like yeah. uh, during Tom Baker's run as the Doctor. Yeah. Spoilers. Uh, before we jump into this, I'm going to read you the publisher summary that comes on the back of the disc here. The Closures of Terror, written by Jonathan Morris, directed by Nicholas Briggs, which everyone should know who that is, uh, a.k.a. voice of the Daleks and Cybermen and Zygons um, and just about every other Doctor Who monster. Uh, <laughs> he shows up quite a bit on the show and from what I gather is very involved with the Big Finish Doctor Who stories. Well, who better uh, to be involved in them, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The summary is as follows. St. Matilda's College, Oxford, is haunted. The building was formerly a convent, and so the story goes, three ghostly nuns wander its passages during the hours of darkness. The story goes on to say that anyone who sees the three sisters will not be long for this world. When one of the students mysteriously disappears, the dean of the college, Dame Emily Shaw, has no option but to call in the police. Her call appears to be answered when a police box arrives in her study. The doctor and Leela have come to investigate and uncover the dark secret that has lain buried beneath the college for almost a thousand years. The cast includes Tom Baker as the doctor, Louise Jameson as Leela, Rowena Cooper as Dame Emily Shaw, uh, Richenda Carey as Sister Frances Beckett, uh, Claudia Grant as Megan Matthews, Allison McKenzie as Lynn Pickering, and Jane Slavin as Ancient Nun and Brenda. <laughs> You didn't see me while you were reading. No, I, <laughs> I didn't. Was, I was doing the happy dance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Oh yeah. Um. I. Oh yeah. Fourth Doctor. Yes. Yeah, so scary, scary stories. <laughs> we're doing the Fourth Doctor. Everybody knows how much the two of us love Tom Baker. Real quick before we jump into this, uh, we haven't had the chance to talk about Leela at all so far. Uh, she never ran up against the Daleks, so. For those of you who don't know, Leela is a warrior of the, of the Sevateam, which is a very Native American-type society on a, on a planet that the Doctor lands on. Tribal. Tribal. Yeah, very yes. tribal right. society. Uh, and so she comes along to protect him because she thinks he needs protection. <laughs> and uh, it's always very interesting to see her very tribal instincts and uh, ways of looking at things uh, when put up against, you know, the very high-tech worlds that the Doctor always seems right? to find himself in. Uh, so, your thoughts on Leela, real quick. I enjoy Leela. I actually enjoy her more now than I did when I first started watching episodes with her. Because, uh, I guess at first, I didn't quite get it, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. I get it now. I get the dynamic between Leela and the Fourth Doctor. Um, because... 
I now can see how they play off of one another, you know, and she's constantly asking him questions that the fans would want answers to. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of halfway answers them, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. It's either that, or he gives her an oversimplified answer because he thinks that that's the way he needs to deal with her. And he, I don't think he does it to be condescending to her. I think he does it because he feels like that way he has less talking to do. <laughs> right. Uh, Leela's not one of my, my favorites. I like her. She's an interesting character. She's always ready for a fight, uh, which is one of the things that... <laughs> sort of like Ace. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Except uh, a bit more, how shall we say, practiced in the art of combat. Not as spunky. <laughs> no, not as spunky. She, she's very straightforward, matter right. of fact, uh, not necessarily prone to humor at all. The thing is, in her seriousness, a lot of times she comes off as humorous because she'll ask the doctor a question like, what, you won't let me kill them? You know? Right. <laughs> right. She like them to be killed for their punishment. <laughs> no, 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 that's all right. Strax. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Strax. <laughs> I suggest a full frontal assault with laser monkeys and acid. <laughs> I want to see Strax's home improvement show. <laughs> Every home can be improved with more explosives. <laughs> A moat of acid. Oh my gosh. Laser cannons from the top balcony. Yes. <laughs> and a nuclear warhead underneath for last resort measures. Oh my gosh. Don't forget sharks in the pool with laser beams on their heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That has nothing to do with this story that we're talking about, but... Oh, my gosh. Sorry. I digress. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) I went there with you, so... Oh, my goodness. One interesting thing about this story, before we uh, jump into some of the details, and, folks, our plot discussion is not going to be as detailed this time around because there isn't one on the Internet that we can follow along with. So this will be all from memory. And Jason has listened to it more than I have, so, yeah. you know, it's that. But one of the interesting things is one of the primary characters in this, Dame Emily Shaw, is the mother of Liz Shaw, who was one of the third Doctor's companions. Which is uh, freaking awesome. Yes. <laughs> uh, Liz Shaw's mother, Emily Shaw, previously encountered the third Doctor during the incident with the apocalypse clock in the Big Finish audio, The Last Post. So she's run across the third Doctor before. So it was funny in this story when the fourth Doctor walks in and Leela says, Doctor, I thought you said she knew you. She doesn't seem to recognize you. And uh, he starts trying to explain who he is. And Dame Emily's like, oh, so you're Mr. Smith's replacement. Oh, you could say that. <laughs> but by the end of it, she's you know treating him like the same old doctor. So Because she finally realizes that he is the same old doctor. <laughs> right. Right. I love this. I, I love this when they can take supporting characters that are associated with other supporting characters and use them in other stories. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Now, one of the most interesting things about this story is that the doctor, in case you didn't notice when I read you the cast list, is the only male in the cast list. Yeah. Uh, this takes place on a in an all-women's college uh, in a former convent on Oxford uh, in the 1970s. Seems like it's in the, the late 70s, probably 77. I think this was done pretty intentionally, uh, too, because they wanted uh, to change up the dynamic from what they usually have. Right. 
edit. It was very good. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is my first Big Finish audio, so I'm, <laughs> I don't have anything to really compare it to. Now, is uh, this your first audio drama at all? No, no. I've listened to the um, the Star Wars radio oh, dramas. The Star Wars, yeah, uh, Star Wars radio the, dramas. The first one is pretty good um, for, for Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back is not quite as good, but pretty good. And Return of the Jedi, just meh. Um, unfortunately, it's just meh. I need to loan you my BBC radio dramas of Lord of the Rings. Oh. <laughs> what, is that going to take me three weeks to listen to it? Uh, I think there's, if I'm not mistaken, there's 13 hours worth. Oh. I, th- I think that's right. Yeah. Is that all? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's about as long as the three movies. <laughs> Okay. Um, but with more story. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's get back to the Cloisters of Terror. Sorry. <laughs> we are just all over the place today. Um, so the Cloisters <laughs> of Terror. Uh, St. Matilda's College is named after, of course, St. Matilda. And that's prevalent uh, as we get later on into the story. But uh, it starts off with two of the students uh, going home from uh, choral practice in the old church. And one of the girls... Lynn is freaked out because she's seeing these three ghostly nuns. She calls them the three sisters. And in her research, (laughs) it says that the three nuns, if you see them, you're not long for this world. Yeah. They only appear (laughs) to someone who's about to die is the idea. (laughs) Uh, Megan can't see them. And so she's like, you're just stressed. You're tired. Just, you know, settle down. We'll go back to the dorm and we'll get you some sleep and some cocoa. The only thing you're going to die of is pneumonia if we hang around out here. I've read about them. When the sisters in your footsteps walk, you shall not see another dawn. That doesn't even rhyme. All that medieval stuff you've been filling your head with made you both funny. What they look like, these sisters. They were dressed in nuns' habits. I couldn't make out their faces where they were. It was too dark. So how do you know they were watching you? I just knew I could... Feel their eyes upon me. So you saw three nuns. So what? They're always wondering about the college, looking like they got out the wrong side of the grave. <laughs> Very Hamara. So are we gonna stay up here all night or what? All night. Just don't don't leave me behind. That's all. Tell you what, I won't leave you behind so long as you manage to keep up. Last one back makes the cover. But they get back. Lynn is still seeing the ghosts, uh, mm-hmm. the three sisters, and then. Good night, sleep tight, bed bugs, etc. Good night, Megan. <gasps> no. What is it, Lynn? <laughs> They're here. Who's here? The three sisters. They're standing by the door. Can you see them? Hold your horses. There's nobody there. It's just the coats and the hat stand. But I could have sworn... You're tired, that's all. Mind playing tricks with you. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Of course I'm right. Some of us have lectures first thing, you know. Good night. The way that that scene ends is she starts talking to them, and then it's like, and she's gone. Yeah. And you're like, what happened? 
and you don't know exactly how <laughs> she's gone or anything because it's all audio, so you can't see what's happening. Well, they didn't even reveal that she had disappeared until the, the next scene with the conversation right. when Dame Shaw was talking to Sister Beckett. Yes, yeah, Sister Beckett. And that's when uh, that's when they reveal that she's disappeared and that no one knows where she is. And Sister Beckett keeps saying things like, well, she's probably just shacked up with some boy somewhere yeah. or something like that. Or got you stressed know? <laughs> and has gone back home to visit her family. Right. <laughs> her family's out of the country. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> she didn't have a boyfriend, you know. She was more interested in school. Right. <laughs> There's so, one in every crowd, right? Yes, yes, there is. <laughs> but uh, Dame Shaw has called the police. And as the summary says, the police seem to have answered because there's a police box in her study. <laughs> Sorry, uh, would one of you please mind telling me what the hell is going on? Hello. I hope you don't mind us dropping in on you like this. Who are you? And what are you doing in my study? And what is that doing here? If you stop asking questions, the doctor will explain. The doctor? Yes. And resplendent in her 19th century bicycle suit is my friend Leela. We've come to help. Help? Mm. You reported a missing girl. You're from the police? Which would explain why you had a police box placed in my study. It is not really a police box. It is a spaceship. Leela, I thought we'd agreed I'd handle the explanation. We did not agree. You are no good at explaining things. You make them sound more complicated. The point is, a girl has disappeared in mysterious circumstances and we are the only people who can find her. Really? And can you tell me why I should believe you and not call the porters to throw you out? Doctor... You said you knew this woman, but she does not know you. What? Ah, uh, yes. Perhaps I should present my credentials. I have them somewhere. Here. My unit pass. What do you know about unit? I used to work for them. Well, they think I still do. Dr. John Smith. Hmm. I met a Dr. Smith once. Yes, you did. He saved my life when I was being attacked by a sort of clockwork armadillo. And you most definitely are not him. He had white hair. And wore a ridiculous frilled shirt. And now I look like this. Same man, different face, different shirt. Is this some cryptic way of saying you're his replacement? Well, shall we say his successor? Uh, the doctor has shown up and says that he is the only one who can help them in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> and when it's told to him that Lynn has seen these three ghostly nuns, he appears to get very concerned. Yeah. After talking with Megan... He and Dame Shaw go to the library to research what it is that Lynn had found in order to learn more about what's going on. You did say you didn't want to be disturbed, Doctor. Well, good, good. If there's one thing I hate, it's people talking in libraries. There you are, trying to concentrate on some idiots waffling away about nothing in particular. Like you are now. Oh, yes, but that's quite different. I'm endlessly fascinating. What are you looking for, exactly? If you told me, I might be able to help Lynn's notes mentioned an early history of the convent. Yes, the Chronicles. It's kept through there in the rare books and manuscripts section. Quite a collection you've got here. Yes. If you're interested, we even have a partial manuscript of the Wakefield Mystery Plays, my own area of expertise. Oh, yes. I remember seeing one once. Yes, it's very clever how they keep you guessing right to the end. Ah, here we are. The Chronicle was compiled in the 16th century. It's the account of the life of St. Matilda, based on the number of earlier texts since lost. It contains some rather fine examples of marginalia and decorated initials. They to go on a bit, these nuns, don't they? 
I've just read six pages on the construction of the chapel. You can't possibly have read all that that quickly. Can't I? No, it's in medieval Latin for a start. Uh-huh. Do you notice something? What? Every single time somebody brings up something to do with ghosts, the doctor denies their existence and then second guesses himself. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) He did the same thing in Series 9. (laughs) Yeah. There's no such thing as ghosts. Or is there? (laughs) I just thought that was funny. (laughs) While the doctor and Dame Emily are exploring the old manuscripts in the library. Leela and Megan go to the old chapel where Lynn first saw the ghosts. And, well, let's just say uh, Leela sees them. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. No lights, I'm afraid. Our eyes will grow used to the darkness. Besides, there is a full moon. It lights the colored glass window. Yeah, freaky effect. They are creatures with wings. The angels that came to St. Matilda in a vision or something. Lynn would never shut up about them. This building, I have seen another like it in the village of Staffham. It is a church. Where did Lynn say she saw the spirits? Um, back there, by the shrine with the railings. Yes, I can see them. What? Three women in black robes. I cannot see their faces. But if you can see them, Leela, that means you're next. And uh, she's communicating with them. But she's the only one that can see them. Right, right. Megan can't see them right now. And they want her to go down through this door down into the crypt. But the door is locked. And before they can find a way to open it, uh, Sister Beckett shows up and is like, what are you doing in here? You know, no one's supposed to be in the church after, you know, after dark and all this stuff. uh, And basically shoes them out in a very abrupt and angry (laughs) fashion. (laughs) Shoo shoo. Shoo right. <laughs> The doctor and Dame Emily have discovered that girls have been going missing for centuries. In the year of our Lord, 1481, novice Eleanor went from her chambers in dead of night, never to be seen again. But that was nearly 500 years ago. It must be a coincidence. Here, look here. 3rd of January, 1729, Sister Blanche departed from the convent. Reasons unknown. And here, 1853. Um, Sister Mary Lovell, found to be absent from her rooms, believed to have run away with John Sayer of Abington. And four days later, John Sayer called at the convent asking for Sister Lovell, having not seen her for several days. But there can't be any connection. No? 1915, another girl goes missing, and another in 1946, and another in 1961. But if all these girls were missing, surely the police... The police were never informed. The disappearances were recorded in the convent records and then forgotten. But why? The last few disappearances, 1969, 1973, 1975, 1976. Last year? Yes. Does anything else strike you about the dates? They've been becoming more frequent. The gap between the first two disappearances was 248 years. Then the next girl went missing 124 years later. But that's exactly half as many years. Yes. The disappearances are occurring in a strict geometric progression. Dame Emily, have any other girls gone missing? 
Oh, Doctor, I've only been here for a couple of weeks. Have any other girls gone missing? We had a few dropouts at the beginning of term, but didn't think anything of it. Then it's no longer a matter of months. We're down to weeks, even days. Soon it'll be a matter of hours, unless... Unless? Dame Emily, I don't want to alarm you, but I don't think we're alone in here. What? In the shadows by the door, a nun seems to be watching us. Oh, my word. She's coming towards us. Are there any other ways out of this library? Not that I know of. I thought you might say that. Hello? Dave Shaw, is that you? Oh, oh, it's you. Sister Beckett. I saw the lights from outside and wondered if they'd been left on by mistake. I... Who is this gentleman? The doctor is here to help find Miss Pickering. And you're hoping to find her in a chronicle from the 16th century? She is not the first girl to go missing. No? No. Young women have been vanishing for centuries, all dutifully hushed up by the members of the convent. Dame Shaw, are we to stand here and be subjected to these outrageous slurs? Listen to the doctor. I think he's on to something. Miss Pickering certainly was. She noticed that several of the girls reported seeing supernatural manifestations shortly before they disappeared. She thought they were omens, premonitions of death. Of course, I've heard the stories, but that's all they are. Stories. Who exactly are or were the three sisters? Etty, Lacey and Tilly? According to the life of St. Matilda, they were the three angels that inspired her to found the convent. You can see them throughout the college as part of the iconography. In the old chapel, for instance, they appear in one of the stained glass windows. Rather a fine example of the early Gothic style, if you like that sort of thing. It's been going on for years. Yeah, the, because that's not a red flag at all, right? No, no. <laughs> the unnerving thing uh, is that the time between these disappearances is cut in half each time a girl goes missing. Yeah. So the first one is there's, you know, 400 and some odd years. Then it's 200 and some odd years, 100, uh, you know, and so on and so on. Until now we're getting to the point where it's months or weeks. Or even days. Uh, or even days, you know, where yeah. we're at right now. And it's it's not good. No. The doctor, Dame Emily, uh, Leela, and Megan all meet up afterwards um, and discuss what's been going on. Megan is like, I, I'm just going back to my room. I'm done. I don't want to chase ghosts anymore. <laughs> but the doctor wants to go check out the chapel um, and see what's behind that door. What's behind door number one? Um, that's so weird because that's exactly what was going through my head when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so they go in there and the door is not locked anymore. No. Are you sure about that? It did not open for me. There are stairs leading into the ground. Down into the crypt, one imagines. Hold on. Torch. Leela, Dame Emily, you can either wait here or join me downstairs. I'm coming with you, Doctor. And if you think I'm going to twiddle my thumbs while you have all the fun, you're very much mistaken. Very well. But stay close. (laughs) 
I was right. It is the crypt. Yes. And the source of the energy trace. What energy trace? The doctor detected it when we were in the TARDIS. That is why we are here. But I thought I, I called... I intercepted your call to the police. Didn't want them hampering my investigation. <gasps> what the dickens? I'm so sorry, Doctor. Jane Shaw. But I can't let you leave. Not now you have seen the truth. Goodbye. Open the store, old one. Or when I am free, I will make you regret it. It's no good, Leela. I think she's gone. Leaving us trapped down here. That's the least of our worries. In amongst the different alcoves and everything are these three thrones set up in like a triangle. And there's a couple of what appear to be corpses sitting on two of them, and Lynn is sitting on the third. Yeah, because that's not creepy at all. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope, not, yeah. not the slightest. <laughs> yeah. Um, Leela is keeps getting spoken to by the three mm-hmm. sisters, and they're trying to get her to become a sister of Saint Matilda and basically replace one of the other older sisters. And when the doctor starts questioning them and getting all uppity about things, they tell him, uh, you know, there has to be three sisters here, otherwise the world will be destroyed. And he's like, I don't take kindly to threats. And so they find a way to unhook Lynn from the machinery. What did you think of this situation where we're at right now? You know, we've got these ghostly nuns that are, you know, basically projecting themselves telepathically to these girls Mm -hmm. to have them become uh, one of the three sisters of St. Matilda. Well, I'll I'll say this much. Um, When, when the story started, um, the tone of it, that type of thing, reminded me a lot of some of the classic horror stories, maybe like some Edgar Allan Poe type stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So then we get a little further into it, and it starts feeling more like Sherlock Holmes because they're doing their investigation and they're pulling up all this you know, information about what's going on and that kind of thing. But where I think it really kind of surprised me, I didn't expect Sister Beckett to be in on it. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That that to me was like, you know, the big Scooby-Doo, you know, <laughs> and the uh, the story at that point, tonally, it seemed like it shifted, you know, mm-hmm. and it went from feeling more like a horror story in kind of the gothic, you know, ghost t- story type to feeling more like a horror story from, say, the point of view of uh, Alien. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and, and so it never stopped feeling like a horror story to me, but tonally it it felt like it shifted from one type of horror story to a different type of horror story. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Um, and as someone who doesn't watch a lot of horror movies, I'm glad to have you on the show to tell me about that. (laughs) They managed to get Lynn out of the, you know, the headpiece she's wearing, you know, to connect her into whatever this thing is. And mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of, you know, bones and old clothes in the uh, the corners yeah. of this room, too. So it's, you know, all the <laughs> other girls that have gone missing. Yeah, because that's not creepy either, right? Uh-uh. <laughs> so they take Lynn out, and they're, you know, the doctor manages to open the, the door with his sonic screwdriver. And we get sort of this earthquake that starts to happen. Yeah. 
Sister Beckett realizes what's going on and goes and tricks Megan Matthews down into the crypt while uh, the doctor, uh, Dame Shaw, and Leela are trying to find out more information from Lynn about this in uh, Dame Shaw's study. Megan goes down into the crypt and there's like almost gale force winds blowing around down there. The ground is starting to shake like an earthquake. And the minute that Sister Beckett gets her strapped into the chair, everything stops. And this is when the doctor realizes, oh, I was wrong. It wasn't a threat (laughs) when they said the world was going to be destroyed. They were telling me the world was going to be destroyed. (laughs) So he has to figure out why it's going to be destroyed, how he can stop it. So they go back down to the crypt, but meet Sister Beckett with a gun. So this this nun is very, uh, how shall we say, not being very Christ-like at the moment. (laughs) And she's, you know, trying to keep them out of the crypt. And this is one of my favorite scenes. Um, You know, Sister Beckett is talking to the doctor and Dame Emily. And the doctor's like, you really should let us in, you know. And uh, Sister Beckett goes, why? What are you going to do, doctor? Me? Oh, nothing. But I can't say the same for my friend Leela, who's just sneaking up behind you. What? And then, of course, that's when Leela pounces and uh, knocks out Sister Beckett. She jumps on her like a spider monkey. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this this is when Leela turns to Dame Emily and says, Would you like me to kill her for her disobedience? (laughs) And Dame Shaw is like, Oh, no, no, that won't be necessary, but the <laughs> offer is appreciated. <laughs> I love the way she just delivers that line just so matter-of-factly and so straight, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. And then the doctor starts explaining what he thinks is going on, and he, you know, he goes, Oh, of course, it's blah, 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 blah. And Dave Shaw goes... I love it when you say, of course, right before you say something impossible. Because um, <laughs> to him, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> right, right, but not to anybody else. It's Megan. They've got Megan wired up now. The latest in a long line of reluctant martyrs. Then we must release her. No, Lila, we can't. Remember, it takes three sisters to hold back the forces of destruction, each one a keystone without which the edifice crumbles to the ground. Then what can we do? We can speak to her. Hello, Megan. Can you hear me? She's not responding. She's just sitting there in some sort of trance. Well, it was worth a try. No, she is speaking. I can hear her in my mind. Of course. You're the only one who can pick up the transmissions. Megan, do you know where you are? She does. Good. Now, do you know why you are here? She says she is here to prevent something terrible from happening. She must not lose the fight or there will be fire. A fire that will devour the whole world. Megan, your mind has been linked to the navigation computer, which means you might be able to access it. I want you to do that for me. Gaze into it with your mind. Now, what do you see? So many girls that have gone before. They are so afraid, alone in the darkness. But they have faith. Faith that their suffering is necessary and they will be delivered into the kingdom of heaven. Megan, you have to go back, back through the pages of history, back 
to the first martyr of them all. She says she can see Matilda. No, she is Matilda, looking out through her eyes. Megan, use the ship's telepathic communicator to show Leela what you're seeing. It's dusk in late spring. I'm in the wood gathering herbs. The air is thick with the scent of wild bluebells. It's so peaceful. I look up. A burning star streaks across the sky, leaving a furrow of cloud behind it. The ground shudders and knocks me off my feet. The star has fallen to the earth about half a mile away. I can see smoke rising from over the treetops. I want to run, but then... an angel call them a name and I no longer feel afraid I walk to the source of the smoke and discover a great shrine of iron and glass buried in the earth within it are three angels that glow like a golden sunset listen Matilda we do not have long left to live but you're angels surely you're immortal no we are creatures of another we cannot sustain ourselves within yours. Then how may I aid you? You cannot. But you can save yourself and your fellow creatures. Our vessel, you see, is guided by our minds. The angel's words were strange, but somehow I understood. It requires three operators. In the event that one or more of those operators are lost, the craft has been programmed to return to our homeworld. Has a mind of its own? Yes. But our craft's engines are damaged. If it attempts to launch, then the warp ignition field will destroy the whole of your world. And I had a vision of destruction, a wall of flame surging across the surface of the earth. I asked the angels what I must do to prevent this. The engines will not ignite as long as there are three operators. You must find three new so the problem that's happening here is the two older sisters of saint matilda are dying and they need someone to fill those spots the doctor learns the whole story from megan through leela because leela being a young woman is the only one who's attuned to the telepathic frequency that the ship is giving out right uh, which is why only young women have been disappearing and so Leela is the one who basically translates the story from Megan to the doctor. And we find out that this is a big spaceship that has crashed into the countryside in England many, 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 many centuries ago. And St. Matilda found it and was told that they needed to replace the operators here to prevent the warp influx drive, I think is what it was, from starting up in order for the ship to take off and return back to its home world. Because if the warp influx drive starts up, that's going to destroy the planet. Basically turn the whole area inside out and start a chain reaction. It's not going to be good. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> um, if you think the, about that, they, they basically built the convent on top of this thing. Yes. They you know? built the convent <laughs> so, around this thing. So somebody had to know it was there when this thing was being built. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but of course, that's in the Middle Ages and you yeah. know, nine, 960 something, I think is what it was. Uh <laughs> And so there's not good documentation. No. 
But St. <laughs> Matilda explains the situation to her two sisters, and the three of them become the three sisters of St. Matilda and basically uh, become martyrs in order to protect the world. And then over the years, the energy that is used by the, you know, in keeping the ship, uh, you know, systems at bay uses up the life force of each of these girls. And when one of them dies, another one is summoned to replace them. Yeah. And it, and it's, uh, it all goes down in such a way, uh, they're, they're basically being treated like batteries. Right. Um, much in the same way uh, that people were being treated in the Matrix movies. Um, and when one's drained, another is called for. And it gets to the point to where it starts to use manipulation and almost hypnotic suggestion to sway people into coming and doing its bidding because it can't get volunteers anymore. Right. So. Right. Since, <laughs> since the convent is you know basically only you know, run by old nuns at this point. Uh, that's why there is a, you know, all women's college yeah. on the same grounds nowadays. Sacrificial lambs to the slaughter. In a sense, yes. <laughs> yeah, because there's nothing creepy about that either, right? No, no. <laughs> Apparently, with all the turmoil that's going on right now and the rate at which these girls are being used up, um, all of the girls on the college campus are starting to sleepwalk their way towards the chapel, basically. Yeah, that's freaky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, is, what is it? Sister Francis, there you are. Thank the Lord. What's the matter? Best you take a look outside for yourself. Outside? Oh, my. As far as I can tell, it's it's all the girls in the college. I don't know what's gone into them. It's like they're in some kind of trance, and they're all coming this way. They're being summoned. Summoned? For what? To become sisters of St. Matilda. Brenda, we must stop them. Close the door. I don't have the key, though, so I don't know how long it'll hold. And so the doctor is trying to figure out how to best do this. Uh, and essentially he's like, well, if we can start up the engines before the warp influx drive activates, that's, you know, kind of like releasing the handbrake before turning on the ignition. And that should give us enough of a chance to have a small explosion that'll only take out the college here rather than one that'll take out the entire earth. Um, <laughs> and you're like, oh, is that all? Much less collateral damage. Right. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, while this story has been going on and the doctor has been doing his deducting, mm -hmm. uh, one of the corpses has died. Yeah. And Lynn has been summoned by a ghostly apparition of Megan. Lynn. Megan? Is that you? Oh, 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 my sweet. You're a ghost. You're a ghost. I've become a sister of St. Matilda, just as you did. But my two sisters do not have long left to live. You must return to us. No, I can't, Megan. I can't, I can't, I, I can't! Please, Lynn. I don't want to be alone in the dark. I need you by my side. Please. Talk about manipulation. <laughs> right, right. 
And so Lynn has come back and then Leela is also strapped in because the third sister has died. And so now they're, you know, telepathically linked into the ship. And since Leela and the doctor have this connection, he can communicate with the three of them. And he tries to figure out how to get this ship out of here without destroying the earth. The nuns are all trying to keep the girls out. And They're starting to beat on the door and say, let us in, let us in. Right. <laughs> yeah, like a horde of zombies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, this is when Sister Beckett shows back up. <laughs> Girls, are you ready? We're ready to make the sacrifice. What? What sacrifice? We must be connected to the navigation computer to commence ignition. You and Dame Shaw must leave while there is still time. What? Can't you do it on a time delay? Start a countdown or something? These things always have countdowns. An operator must be in place to give the order. One operator? So the other two of you could go? Yes. And it doesn't have to be one of the girls staying behind. I could do it. Doctor, don't be ridiculous. I'm not being ridiculous. Ah, I've had a good innings. Plenty of years on the clock. Rather me than someone with a whole life ahead of her. Then by your argument, Doctor, it should be me. Or me. Sister Beckett. Let me do this, Doctor. Please. Sister Beckett, I'm not sure that... Do you know what it's been like? Having to keep the secret of this place? Having to select the girls to be sacrificed? You didn't have any choice. Let me make my peace, Doctor. As a penance for my sins. Can you think of a better candidate? I am old, I am unwell, and I am willing. I can't let you give up your life. You will, Doctor. Or I will shoot you. Lord, forgive me. Oh, very well, Sister Beckett, if you put it like that. It's not every day you get to be a martyr. Right, and... She's been keeping the secret of St. Matilda's for so long. This is She's also seeing this as a bit of a penance for her sins. Uh, the weight of having to trick these girls into becoming martyrs in order to hold back world destruction has weighed heavily on her. And so she's like, look, I am old, I am unwell, and I am willing. Let me do this. You think about the mentality of somebody that has that mindset of I want to be a martyr mm -hmm. that I, I don't even know if I can wrap my brain around that. You know, I mean, it's, it's one thing to be a martyr because the decision is thrust upon you and you resign yourself to be willing with what happens to you at that point, because you don't really have much of a choice. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to to tell someone let me do this because i want to die i want to give my life in this way you know mm -hmm. that's a completely different thing i don't know that i can even wrap my brain around that yeah yeah it it was very a really interesting thing you know that almost reminds me of the scene that we talked about on our last episode uh with into the dalek you know mm uh, remind me which one you're thinking of exactly. When, I think when, I know she, when she sacrificed her life to give them an opportunity yes. to get back to the top. Right. Uh, yeah. Except an, there's, <laughs> you know, thankfully Missy's not waiting for Sister Beckett. Um, <laughs> or is she? Mm, let's not go there. Yes, I see. Computer override, warp drive ignition. Not yet, not yet. Okay, Emily. You need to detach Megan's headset as I remove Lynn's. 
Ready? Yes, and avoid the ears. I know, I know. One, two, three. Oh, wait, Emma. It's Megan. You're all right. You're not a ghost. It's You're never going to get rid of me. It's starting again. The influx warp thing. The warp influx, Francis. Are you ready? I am, Doctor. Now you must go. All of you. Leave now. Goodbye, Sister Beckett. And thank you. Francis, what's gone and what's past help should be past grief. Goodbye! So basically they've got uh, a limited amount of time uh, with taking the Leela... Megan and Lynn out of the controls, putting Sister Beckett into one of the seats. They've got a limited time uh, to get everyone out before this thing goes up. Uh, so they start rushing around, you know, hitting fire alarms and getting people out of their dorms, out of their rooms. When I was listening to this, I was thinking about the scene in Return of the Jedi where Han Solo is trying to get everybody out of the uh, uh, the bunker where the dish is. Oh, yeah, before they blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the imagery going through my head. <laughs> There's our Star Wars reference for the show. Um, <laughs> and so the Doctor, Leela, and Dame Emily head back to the TARDIS, which is in Dame Emily's study. Lynn and Megan are racing through the dorms, getting people out. Um, and then they are helped by the ghostly form of Sister Beckett racing through the halls, uh, crying blue murder. Uh, as it was later described, uh, and scaring everybody out as well. Uh, everyone gets out of the way before the college explodes, uh, to which the authorities attribute to a gas leak. And, uh, and Dame Emily says, and who am I to argue with the experts? The doctor who has had this, you know, back and forth with Sister Beckett throughout the episode, um, between you know the merits of science versus the merits of blind faith, and I, I want to talk about this slightly more before we, we finish this up. But uh, says you know there you are, the world has ended not with a bang but a wimple. Yeah, which of course, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, a wimple is the headpiece that nuns wear, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Yeah, <laughs> but. That's basically wraps it up. Dame Emily is going to go back to, you know, her old job basically. And, you know, Dean at the college for three weeks and it blows up, you know, not going to look good for the CV um, or the resume here uh, in the U S if you want to translate that. But yeah, that's base. And then they, there's just sort of a little bit of a wrap up to explain that all the girls are being ex- accepted by, uh, you know, Dame Emily's old university new position. Uh, so they're all going to be fine. Um, and, then that's it. So what did you think? You know, I thought it was too short. (laughs) (laughs) If I had one major criticism, it was that I wanted more. I wanted it to be longer. (laughs) Well, the other three that I've got are are two discs each. So rather than the one, so there there's four parts in each of those. So, (laughs) Oh, one of the things, uh, that, was sort of a running theme throughout this is the discussion uh, between the sisters and uh, the doctor uh, between, you know, faith in the saint, you know, St. Matilda and everything and faith in science. Right. And as as someone who is a, you know, religious person, um, you know, I, I definitely, you know, 
recognize the the importance and the benefits of, of science and all that. But right. um, early on into the you know the episode, I was like, well, I hope they don't you know make religion out to be this you know very you know silly thing in the at the end of it all. Right. Um, but by the time we wrapped up, you know, basically they they had this little conversation about you know these young women who basically gave up everything to protect the world you know right. over you know over the centuries uh you know out of out of faith mm-hmm. not in science but out of faith and that was something that leela had a hard time wrapping her brain around because she was like but doctor you say that everything should be scientific you know right yeah but even the doctor acknowledged the importance of faith exactly exactly and and the power of faith right you know, in that aspect so um that was just something I appreciated at the end. At the end of it all, is right the balance that they struck between the science and the faith. Is there anything else in particular that you want to really talk about? Um, well, I will the, say this: this episode. Um, anytime that um, I uh, go into a story, uh, especially if it has uh, uh, religious or, or Catholic type Element? themes in it. Um, and it's a scary story. It always makes me think back to the, uh, the omen, the movie, okay. the omen movie, um, which just happens to have Patrick Troughton in it <laughs> as a priest. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to, I had to make that call out. You know, I, I think I did it last year too, but if you guys have not seen the original omen, it has Patrick Troughton in it. The second doctor, um, he is, does a very good job uh, playing his role in that movie. He has a rather small part, but a rather crucial part in that movie. And, uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend that if you haven't seen it. I know Jason's not a big horror movie fan, but I would even recommend it to him, you know. Yeah. So Maybe I'll get around to it. <laughs> Before we, we wrap up the discussion here, what are your thoughts on the uh, – the acting quality, you know, that you know, obviously this is something different that we've talked about here uh, on the show. Uh, we've all obviously all only talked about the the TV show thus far. Um, you know, the quality of the acting, the quality of the production. Uh, the you know, was it uh, believable for you? Was you know, oh yeah, you... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> tonally it was good. Um, the uh, the special the sound effects, you know, all of that were were placed perfectly you know you could tell that a lot of care had been had been taken uh into the detail of just where each musical element was going to be put in and each you know sound effect was going to be put in and then uh the acting well let's just put it this way you know tom baker's tom baker you know so, <laughs> right you know and uh whether tom baker's doing the doctor or tom baker's doing you know uh I don't know what cheese whiz ad on television, you know, <laughs> he's still Tom Baker, you know? <laughs> right. And, uh, so, uh, I don't think we really have to worry that much about his performance as far as that goes. Now I will say this. Um, and I think it was more because of the uh, initial disconnect that I had in my head of going from watching video, uh, of these characters to audio of these characters. It was like, it, at first, I think I was looking for differences in my mind, 
mm-hmm. try to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the difference here because, you know, it's been what, 30 years or whatever. And, you know, these characters have to sound different now because the, you know, the actors are, you know, whatever, but really I quit that about three minutes into it. I was like, I, I'm just going with this because it's just so seamless, you know, mm-hmm. it just feels so natural. It, they feel like the same characters. The portrayal is the same. The, the inflections of the voices are the same, you know, and so I just went with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They, they do sound, you know, just slightly older, but you know, that that's quickly forgotten because of the performance that's being given. I would agree. Yeah. The, the performance and the characterizations, um, of the doctor and Lila, particularly because these are characters that we know from the TV show, right. Um, you know, spot on played just the same. Of course, you know, Tom Baker never feels like he's stepped out of the role. Um, (laughs) even, uh, even in the 50th anniversary episode, vocally, he sounded exactly the same to me, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And this was, this was very good. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, uh, we we won't wait another you know fifty episodes before we do <laughs> a, another big finish audio story. I'll, no. I'll say that. <laughs> no, so, don't know when exactly we'll we'll do another one, but uh, we'll 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 do another one here. You know, before I would say we'll do at least one more before the series comes back in April. So, <laughs> so well that leaves us a slightly you know finite window. <laughs> right. Right. But anyway, um, would you recommend this audio story? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In a heartbeat. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh. Yeah. And Um, and I I understand that some people, it would take a minute for them to get used to it because a lot of people these days are not as used to audio drama as say people from, you know, 30, 40 years ago, uh, because there were still audio dramas on the radio just, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Um, but yeah, highly, highly recommend this. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Especially if you are a fan of the fourth doctor, get any of them. So, well, and, 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 and also when you're listening to this, especially towards the beginning, when you're listening to it and, you sort of kind of get the creepy crawlies. Yeah. You know, you know, it's doing its job, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Um, and of course, speaking of the creepy crawlies, uh, this is October folks. Um, in case you didn't notice, of course, in case you didn't notice, uh, <laughs> Halloween's at the end of the month. Um, of course, as of this recording, we have not finalized the results of our, uh, survey to know which villain we're doing next. Cyberman or master. Um, so in order to keep with the spirit of the month uh, and to give us uh, an episode to announce what we're doing next, uh, our next episode, we're going to be, well, actually revisiting the Doctor and Leela. <laughs> and we'll be watching and reviewing the horror of Fang Rock, uh, which is a very atmospheric, creepy uh, story in order, <laughs> you know, to, to, to stick within the, the creep factor of the month. Uh, and then after that, we'll we'll dive into whatever villain that you guys have chosen well, for us. It could also depend on the time frame too, if we wanted to add a third one in there as well. Maybe, so we we know. might we'll see we'll see what happens. Though. Yeah. So we'll play that by ear. Exactly. And you won't know till we decide. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
folks, if you have a copy of The Horror of Fang Rock, watch it before our next episode uh, so that you can follow along with our discussion. Are we going to rate this? This one, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what we would rate it. Would we rate it Tardises? Hey, hey, we'll rate it nuns. There we go. <laughs> there we go. How many <laughs> sisters of St. Matilda do you uh, rate the Cloisters of Terror? Hmm. Can I cut one in half? <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Eight and a half. <laughs> oh, man. That, that half a nun. It's not appreciating the amputated arms. Um. <laughs> hey, better Sisters of Saint Matilda than Sisters of Satan, right? <laughs> mm, yeah. And with that, um, I'm going to ho- go ahead and give this uh, an eight. I don't want to go any higher than that because I have no other big finish audio to compare it to. So, And no desire to cut a sister in half? No. <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> the more you talk about it, definitely. Um, so, yeah, uh, I I don't really have anything else to compare this to, so I, I don't want to, like, give it a 10 and then go, oh, well, I like the other ones so much better than this one, and I don't have anywhere else to go. So, you know, right. I don't want to have to run into that situation. Um, <laughs> but, so I'll give this one an 8. Um, well, I'm basing this on my comparison to all of the classic audio stuff that I listened to before. So, all right, cool. Well, uh, this has been fun. Um, and we'll definitely do, as I said, we'll definitely do another, at least, at least one more big finish audio story, uh, before the new series airs in what we're assuming is April. We don't have an actual release date yet, but we are assuming it's April. Who knows? (laughs) I bet the BBC doesn't even know yet. Um, <laughs> anyways, that's me being cynical. All right. Well, uh, if you want to get in contact with us, tell us some of your favorite Big Finish audio stories, that sort of thing. You can always get in contact with us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Talking Time Lords. You can tweet us at, at Talking Time Lord or email us at talkingtimelords.com. Uh, of course, our TARDIS on the internet is our website www.talkingtimelords.com I do have to remind you folks that when this episode is posted that means your time for weighing in (laughs) on our survey is over. So if you're listening to the sound of this episode, you can't vote anymore. Maybe we could at least give them until midnight. No. No? No. Okay. Well, on the day maybe, but you know. Well, we'll see. It'll be the day that this is posted is the day the survey goes away. So at some point, that'll be the case. But we will be announcing the results of that on our next episode, and we will go from there. Uh, of course, please, please leave us a kind rating and review yes. on iTunes, TuneIn, yes. and Stitcher. You see, folks, we'd like to uh, be able to attract all the listeners who will come back to podcasts when the new series uh, hits in April. But if you type in Doctor Who on the podcast section of iTunes, we're not even on the page yeah. uh, at this point. So uh, to get on the page in order to be seen, uh, we will need some ratings and reviews in order to be bumped up higher in the queue. Uh, so if you like the show and you haven't had a chance to do that, uh, please, please, please go ahead and take just a few minutes of your time and leave us a kind rating and review. We would greatly appreciate that, and we'll probably even read it on the show. 
Yeah. Uh, we'd be so excited. Um, <laughs> anything else, Paul? I had something in my head until you asked me, and then I went blank. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll save it for next episode. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 52, Big Finish, The Cloisters of Terror. For Paul, I'm Jason. And remember, until next time, may you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, guys. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts. Or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows.
You don't have anything clever to say. I know. More Strax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Grenades. <laughs> if I want advice from a psychotic potato dwarf, I'll ask you. Now go wait in the cart. You fine. <laughs> oh, we need uh, more strikes. 